Asia Pacific currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the twenty-first, I believe, of、uh, of March. I think I've got the wrong date. As always, why do I do this, comrades?、Um, good morning. Actually, it's the twenty-eighth. No, the the time was right. I'm a week behind.、Um, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm Sam, and we're taking you through to nine thirty this morning. As always, a very big thank you to the comrades finishing up solidarity breakfast this morning. Thanks to Annie and Kim. Yet another very riveting and informative program from them. Let me tell you what's coming up on Asia Pacific Currents this morning. Well, in the second part of the show, our feature interview、um, is with Joseph Dahed from the Left in Syria. As comrades know, Pierre, comrade Pierre, who does Asia Pacific Currents every other week,、um, has been、uh, speaking with、um, people that we found in Syria or who are connected on the ground in Syria. So we'll listen to、um, that interview in the second part of the program to get an analysis of what's happening there. Of course,、um, yesterday and today we've seen some tumultuous events in the Middle East, particularly in Yemen. So we'll、um, bring a brief story about that、uh, in the first part of the program.、Um, Asia,、uh, I mentioned that Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so like our page and follow us to get more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region, mostly from a workers' perspective, but always from a grassroots perspective. It's time now for news from around the region, and we're going to hit off in Vietnam. As we've reported previously, the rate of death and injuries in Vietnamese workplaces is nothing short of an ongoing massacre. This week, a large scaffold structure collapsed at a seaport construction site in the Vung Ung Economic Zone in the central Ha Tin Province. At least six, excuse me, at least sixteen workers were killed and twenty-seven others injured, but more workers could still be trapped under the rubble. One of the issues affecting workers' health and safety is the subcontracting chain of such projects that companies use to avoid responsibilities. The ability to safeguard workers' health and to gain a living wage can only be realised through increasing unionisation rates and building strong and independent unions. Of course, listeners, as you know, these economic zones are basically lawless areas where companies can do whatever they want. It's virtually impossible. For workers、uh, to organise and to fight collectively for、um, health and safety and wages and conditions and so on. So yes, as as we've clearly said, nothing short of a massacre in those in those areas. More migrant workers killed in Malaysia, as recently reported earlier this month. The station for migrant workers in Malaysia remains precarious, with many working for low wage, low. Long days and dangerous conditions. Malaysia bombing construction industry is especially dangerous. Just earlier this week, 
another four workers were killed at a construction site when elevator they were in gave way in and filled certain stores. Deaths like like those are the direct result of an economy system that puts profit above workers' lives. Only strong and independent unions can change this. So that's, listeners, two stories in a row about deaths on construction sites in Asia, one in Vietnam, one in Malaysia, one with 16 deaths, one with four deaths. And I think the parallel to the way the ABCC, the Australian Building and Construction Industry Commission, is trying to whittle away um, the role of health and safety officers in Australia, this is a clear argument for why that is only going to lead to more deaths in Australia. The reason uh, Australian construction sites are as safe as they are is because of the role of unions uh, in fighting for wages and conditions and health and safety. Of course, those workers in Malaysia that are on those construction sites are migrant workers, and we've spoken extensively about the fact that migrant workers are in a very precarious situation. If they organise, they risk being deported. Um, and it's uh, against that that I, I want to announce the work for justice for refugees. The issue of migrants, refugees, refugees are workers too before they got on those boats or left their home countries fleeing persecution, they were workers there too. If they weren't workers, they wouldn't need to be fleeing the way that they're fleeing. Um, So comrades, tomorrow at two o'clock at the State Library, the Palm Sunday March, be there. There is a trades hall contingent Um, So for all the workers out there or all of those comrades that are sympathetic to unionism, join the Trades Hall contingent. That's tomorrow, Sunday, the 29th of March at 2pm at the State Library. Our next story is from Yemen. Yemen was one of the countries where the Arab Spring found fertile ground as people rose up against inequality, poverty, corruption and repression. Workers and unions were central to many of these struggles, but the forces of reaction were also very strong and many people were killed. After four years, the situation is now deteriorating with militaries from a coalition of regional countries now directly intervening into Yemen. These interventions will only worsen the situation for workers and their communities. The examples from countries like Iraq and Syria show how such wars only benefit the ruling classes and represent a catastrophe for workers. And if anyone was under any illusions that the Egyptian revolution is still thriving. Know that Egypt has come in on the side of Saudi Arabia. Um, So uh, it is really, really necessary for us to lend our support to the workers, the grassroots workers in the Arab region, not with the military, not with the brotherhood, not with any of the forces of the state. With the Continuation of the economic crisis around the world, the social and economic burden of this crisis is beginning felt by more and more workers and their communities. Reactionary elements are trying to use this hardship to divided workers along recoil eating or religions line. In Australia, a new reactionary group, Reclaim Australia, has organized Realize for meeting Islamic for for people. Country relies have been 
organized to stop them from organizing. Only by uniting all our class can we effectively fight against increasing inequality, loss of jobs and conditions, and a graduation of our social service. Again, we've we've mentioned this a couple of weeks in a row. This is absolutely critical. This is a counter rally to oppose what is basically a racist organisation that has as its core inside this organisation its core element is fascist. So this is a counter rally, an anti-fascist rally to stop these reactionaries from destroying our organising and promoting racial inequality, promoting racism, promoting violence. The counter-demonstration starts at 12 noon on Saturday the 4th of April. It starts at Federation Square. On all counts, we're going to need you on the street that day. This is urgent. This is a, a serious call to get people out on the street. Our next story comes from India in what appears to be a determined attempt to intimidate workers' mobilisations. The local Delhi government has once again set its police forces onto demonstrating workers. This week, around a 1,000 workers from different sectors and unions went to the offices of the Labor Minister to demand an end to contract-based employment. Instead of meeting them, a large contingent of police charged the workers, injuring many and arresting 17 of them. And now in Thailand, the arrests and intimidation of the last few months against critics of the Thai military dictatorship shows no sign of slowing down. In recent news, at least 20 students and their families have been harassed by the military. Detainees who say the military has tortured them were denied legal access, while General Prayat Chan Ocha, the leader of the junta, blamed too much democracy for why they had to intervene. In a more recent statement, General Prayat threatened to execute any journalist who did not follow the government's line. We're saying no to the military, free all political prisoners. Organising is not a crime. The economic crisis is beginning felt more and more in Japan, with work- workers facing increasing attacks to their job security and insufficiencies in- 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 of their work. In the middle of this month, a nation's with streak by postal workers employees, according to fight against cut to service, overwork and better pay for all employees. Such streaks represent the attempted by workers to re- regain some of the power that they had in profits decided. Some squatters are starting to score some win and Again, lost ground. Of course, the Japanese postal system was privatised many years ago. That was one major attempt to break unions in Japan. So now we're seeing cuts in the postal service. No surprises there. And a nationwide strike. Our solidarity with those postal workers in Japan. And that brings us to the end of the news from around the region. It's 11 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR some community announcements and then we'll return with Joseph Daher talking about the left in Syria. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses dispute in 1986, 
and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there, broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR, radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. Pierre Morrow is a presenter and producer of Asia Pacific Currents and earlier in the week he interviewed Joseph Daherd who is a representative for the group Revolutionary Left in Syria. The interview marks the fourth anniversary of the start of the revolution in Syria and is an analysis of the present situation especially in relation to progressive and working class movements. There are up to 9 million Syrians that have been displaced by the war, both internally and externally. How are they coping? Most of the um, internal and uh, displaced and refugees uh, are not coping at all very well. Uh, The situation of most of the refugees, uh, for example, in Lebanon, with more than a million, is very difficult. They don't have the status as a refugee, therefore not uh, having the basic rights to protect them. They're facing discriminations as well, whether socially, whether political as well. uh, They're very often considered as uh, by sections of of different political um, parties in Lebanon as uh, jihadists. Socially speaking, most of the refugees are coping very bad, especially the ones outside of the country. Uh, You have more than a Three million people, three million people that are outside of Syria, mostly in Lebanon, Turkey, Iraq, and Jordan. Uh, internally, uh, inside of Syria, we should know now that the the level of poverty has reached seventy to eighty percent. So the situation is very difficult, uh, and obviously even more for for displaced uh, people in a country um, characterized today by lots of destructions. You mentioned the, the destruction within Syria, and this is really what I want to focus on now. The military situation in Syria seems to be one of that there are many uh, armed groups with shifting battles and positions. Today, the most important military act uh, within Syria is definitely the, the, the Assad regime that consolidated uh, in the past, I would say, two years, very importantly. So today, uh, it controls around 40 to 50 percent of the territory, but 60 percent of the population of Syria. So they're advancing uh, very much in different areas of Syria. Uh, Homs fell last year in May 2014, which is completely under the domination of the regime. Aleppo might be uh, the next target of the regime. It's, uh, you have sections, I mean, of Aleppo that are already under regime's domination. On the on the opposition, I think first of all, uh, the Kurdish uh, forces aided military by some uh, FSA, Free Syrian Army forces, are gaining territories against um, Daesh, so-called Islamic State, therefore consolidating its power. Uh, And it's the most, uh, it's really um, APG, I mean uh, PKK forces in Syria that are controlling Rojava and uh, gaining new territories against uh, the Islamic State. 
And the third military and main actor is the Islamic Reactionary Forces, that depending on the territories they're gaining or uh, losing. For example, in uh, Rif Idlib, I mean the countryside of Idlib and Aleppo, they launched in the past few months uh, military uh, campaigns uh, against different forces of the Free Syrian Army to have a controlled domination, complete domination of these territories. And with the help of other reactionary forces, but Jabhat al-Nusra al-Qaeda in Syria was the main actor in this campaign. But for example, in uh, Damascus countryside, in the city of Betsehem, Jabhat al-Nusra was kicked out by the local people and FSA forces came. But FSA forces is very weak and between you have different Islamic fundamentalist forces that are more important, military speaking, in different areas of Syria, speaking of Islamic State, speaking of Jabhat al-Nusra and other actors. You mentioned about the, the Kurdish YPG and YPJ militias in Rojava. Now, has this changed the balance of forces in Syria or is it just in that area? No, it's just in the area of Rojava because um, uh, the objective of PKK is to have a kind of uh, stable Rojava, the, the regions under the domination of PWD, which is completely underst- understandable. In the same time, with the nearly chaos Syrian situation, to stabilize uh, the, the regions under the domination is completely normal on the first aspect. But the issue is that when the regime will completely finish with FSA forces, they will mostly target, most probably, Rojava regions, because the experience of PYD is not in the interest of uh, the same regime, neither that is in the interest of uh, Islamic reactionary forces. You mentioned about the population in Damascus and Aleppo and also in Homs, which are all very large population centres. Now, in terms of these civilian populations, are they involved in the civil war or is the political struggle now really primarily a military one due to the civil war? So definitely, uh, in the past few years, the... um, the level of involvement in political activities have been diminished very much. And the the military aspect of the revolution has taken over. Unfortunately, uh, driven mainly by Islamic reactionary forces, which is is an issue. While FSA forces were not supported, whether politically, military or financially. On a political level, these three cities have very different uh, situation. You have still in Aleppo liberated neighborhoods, so therefore you had a lot of activities, of political activities made by, for example, the Popular Council of Salahiddin, Bustan Qasr, which are liberated neighborhoods with democratic uh, political programs and slogans. For, for example, in the past few weeks and even months, you had massive demonstrations in these neighborhoods. Uh, with only the flags of the originals one of the revolution, like the, the Syrian people are one, Christians and Muslims are one. You had like a big, massive um, demonstration and like party celebration for the fourth year of the beginning of the revolution in the free neighborhoods of Aleppo. And different also campaigns to remind the objectives of the revolution. Homs is different because it came under the regime's domination in 2014 May, 
So any kind of political activity is there directly uh, repressed. And also there's a feeling of uh, people are tired in Homs after being on the siege for a few years. People are seeking so-called stability and, and also the lack of democratic alternative as well, which is a problem uh, inside of Syria, a, a front that is large gathering the different democratic alternatives is not available to the people. So therefore, people don't know how to organize as well or to which objective. They know how to organize, but to which objective. In Damascus, it's always been very hard to, to organize. And it, people organize, especially in the banlieue, what we call the country, and banlieue and down, down, uh, countryside of Damascus, very much. And they were a bit more free, although the repression and the bombing of this region were very uh, important. Uh, for example, in the past few weeks, Duma, which is, uh, has been uh, very much a center cent of a lot of political activities, revolutionary activities, have been bombed several times by the regime's aviation. But in the center of Damascus, it's been always very difficult to organize because of the, the high repression, the, the level of repression is very high inside of Damascus, knowing that Damascus is the key point. If Damascus would rise completely, it would be the end of the regime because this is the center in terms of politics, in terms of economics of the regime. But most of the middle class of Damascus and the bourgeoisie of Damascus didn't move massively since the beginning of the revolution. Last time we talked, you mentioned that there were small left political military groups in, in Syria. Are they still able to survive and operate? There were very small groups and most of them had to stop because of the lack of coordination, even with uh, Free Syrian Army forces and because of the weakening of even the FSA forces. Therefore, most of the military activities of there was one or two groups of the Serenet that had brigades had to stop, lack of funding, etc. Politically speaking, you still have people in different popular councils having some political activities, but very limited and depending on areas whether you can or not organize. As I said before, the, the level of political activities or revolutionary act activities in terms of civilian activities have diminished very much. As a last question, looking at the region, um, instability and repressions seems to be on the increase with more countries facing civil strife. How do you think this will influence the course of events in Syria or vice versa, especially in relation to working class progressive forces? The different civil strife we're seeing across the region will definitely benefit to all regimes or the authoritarian regime and consolidate them because the different great powers, great imperialist powers, whether from the West or uh, Russia, China on the other side, want to stabilize the region and therefore consolidating all regimes. We, we can see this in Egypt, seeing the last economic financial conference in Egypt that gathered more representatives from more than 100 countries promising billions of foreign investment, also the, the, the sale of French military planes to Egypt. So despite the, the, the high level of repression inside of Egypt against whether the Muslim Brotherhood, the leftist liberals, working class activists, uh, CC is coming back. And his legitimacy is being uh, granted by the different great powers. Same for Syria. You had different declarations in the past few weeks, saying that we have to speak with Assad in order to defeat Daesh. 
Although this is not something completely new, because at no point there was an, any kind of peace agreement suggested, proposed by the Security Council of the United Nations, the downfall of the regime, of the Assad regime, was never demanded. And the, the, the position of Bashar Assad in the transition phase was not also determined. So this is not something completely new. But under the name of fighting against terrorism, these kind of different old, old authoritarian regimes are being consolidated. When it comes to the working class interests, uh, unfortunately, the working class interests or any kind of democratic force have been crushed by what I call the two sides of the counter-revolution. So what I've talked about, the old authoritarian regimes, which are coming back very much across the region, Assad is being consolidated, Sisi is being consolidated, in Tunis you have. Uh, Nida Tunis, which represents the interest of Ben Ali's and Bourguiba's regime, old regimes in Tunis that came to power in collaboration with Harakat Nahda, which is the Muslim Brotherhood in Tunis. And on the other side, it's the Islamic reactionary fundamentalism. Going from the Muslim Brotherhood to the most uh, reactionary, they do have differences, but from the Muslim Brotherhood or Hezbollah to other Islamic fundamentalist forces, they acted in opposition to the objectives of the revolution in all the countries, with no exception. This does not mean that, that we not condemn the repression against the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, but if we speak objectively, these two forces have opposed the demands of the people that started the revolutionary processes end of 2010 in Tunis, and that spread to the other countries, which are democracy, social justice, and equality. And the lack of organization, the lack of capacity for democratic and progressive forces to form a kind of a progressive front against the two sides of the counter-revolution is showing that working class interest is not put forward. On the opposite, you have sectarian strife on the rise. So we're living very difficult times across the region. And Syria is the most violent and sad result of these revolutionary processes and the lack of left in democratic forces to, to organize. And the counter-revolutionary forces are advancing, sometimes opposing each other, sometimes collaborating together, as in Tunis. It's something to take into account, to, into consideration that we have to start everything back again. But with the po political experience that we had for the last past four years, but reorganize the large democratic front, progressive front that defend original objectives of the revolution against these two counter-revolution forces. Well, thank you very much, um, Joe, and for that very clear analysis. But we wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. That was Joseph Daherd. He's a representative of the uh, a group called the Revolutionary Left in Syria. He was speaking with Pierre Morrow from Asia Pacific Currents. 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. And that brings us to the end of Asia Pacific Currents today, this 28th of March, Saturday the 28th of March. Um, don't forget a couple of things, the Walk for Justice for Refugees, which is tomorrow, March the 29th at 2pm at the State Library. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered and, of course, Asia Pacific Currents will be back next Saturday from 9 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna. 
Sum Sum. And we'll be back next Saturday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.